Normally, he would have let a uniform deal with it, only the prospect of seeing naked women dancing against a backdrop of sporting events projected on a colossal screen had propelled him into action. That, and not having to see his wife for another hour. The fight was between a drunk and a bouncer, and it was over Chris. The drunk was a big, corn-fed kid from the Midwest who'd trapped Chris in a VIP booth. She was naked, save a G-string, and looked scared out of her wits. Petite, blonde hair, great figure, and her own breasts. Not the prettiest woman he'd ever seen, but damn close. Longo had acknowledged her with a thin smile. Then he'd tried to arrest the drunk. The drunk had responded by spitting on him. Longo was pretty fat. His mother called him chubby, but that was his mother. Beneath the flab was some real muscle. In the gym, he could bench-press his weight. Most guys his size couldn't do that, and he knew how to fight. He knocked the drunk out with two punches. It had impressed the hell out of the bouncer, an African-American kid whose Italian suit had gotten torn in the scuffle. And it had impressed the gaggle of patrons and strippers standing nearby. But who it impressed the most was Chris. Oh, she squealed as the Midwest mauler fell. Longo had taken off his jacket and draped it over Chris's shoulders. You okay? he asked. She closed the jacket around her and nodded her head. Did he hurt you? She shook her head. That was really cool. What's your name? Your real name? That had gotten her. The hint of a smile crossed her lips. Chris. That had been six weeks ago. Pulling into the driveway of Chris's townhouse in his brand-new Ford Explorer, Longo found himself shaking his head. It felt like they'd known each other six years. Every time they'd gotten together, every single encounter had been the stuff dreams were made of. Beeping his horn, he looked expectantly at the front door. A minute passed. He rolled down his window and sucked in the brisk desert air. He tapped his horn again. When she didn't come out, he slipped out of the SUV. The garage door was open, his old Mustang convertible sitting in the space. He'd given it to Chris so she'd have wheels on the weekends. He'd concocted an elaborate story for his wife, only she'd never asked him what he'd done with the car. Too happy with the new Ford Explorer, he guessed. Cindy was funny that way. Since their marriage had gone on the rocks, she had stopped questioning where the money was coming from. They went on nice vacations twice a year, drove new cars, and had money in the bank, all on his crummy detective's salary. The front door was locked, and he trudged around back. Taking the spare key out of the flower pot, he unlocked the back door and went in. Hey, Chris, it's me. They stopped serving breakfast at nine. We need to hurry. Still no answer. Right away, he knew something was wrong. The air smelled funny, and he spied a half-smoked cigarette lying on the glass coffee table. Chris had flown in the night before and called him from the club. She said she was going to dance until 3 a.m., then go to the townhouse. He was to pick her up at 8.30 for breakfast. A simple plan, although he now realized that someone had come home with her. Lifting his eyes, he stared at the hallway that led to her bedroom. Were they in there, sound asleep? He cracked her bedroom door and peeked inside. Chris lay beneath a leopard-skin blanket, eyes shut, her wheat-gold hair displayed luxuriously on a pillow. His heartbeat quickened. 
Longo opened the door fully and stared at the bathroom door. Was her friend with the cigarette in there? His eyes canvassed the room and spotted Chris's clothes folded neatly on a chair. It was a little ritual she performed whenever they made love. It always made him smile. Chris? Her eyelids remained shut. He stepped into the room. His instinct told him to check the bathroom first, and his heart told him to check her. His instinct won out, and he kicked the bathroom door open. Empty. He sat on the edge of the bed. It was a motionless waterbed, so comfortable that they'd once slept for ten hours straight. He looked down at her. The color was draining from her face, her exquisite features turning hard. Chris? He didn't want to believe she was gone, his heart winning out over his instincts. He lifted the blanket with the tip of his finger and saw where the bullet had entered her body and taken her life. Her killer had been kind. He'd shot her through the heart, and he guessed she'd died instantly. Lowering the blanket, he rose from the bed, looked at the ceiling, and tried not to sob. Only one thing to do. Get in the Explorer and burn rubber. He couldn't be caught here. He looked down at her a final time. I love you so much, he whispered. Standing in the kitchen, Longo stared at a pair of socks sitting on the table. He'd left the socks here last weekend. In typical Chris fashion, she'd washed and folded them. As he picked up the socks, the words, Oh, no, escaped his mouth. How many more of his things were in the townhouse? And what about his fingerprints? All trails would lead directly back to him. He pulled a chair out from the table and dropped his massive bulk into it. He was about to become a suspect in a murder investigation. The detectives in charge would not be his friends. They would look at his lifestyle, questioning his expensive vacations and the new cars he bought every year. What was he going to tell them? That he found a bag of money behind a casino? Or would he tell them about the department's secret slush fund, and how money was being siphoned from the bank accounts of well-known wise guys? The wise guys weren't shouting about it, knowing a bribe, when they saw one. He couldn't do that. That would be suicide. He would lie about the money. Jesus Christ, he said aloud. He'd get thrown off the force, and Cindy would surely leave him. His teenage daughters would shun him, and his parents wouldn't be too thrilled either. His life was about to be ruined, and all because he'd gone and fallen in love. Standing, he slid the chair beneath the table. The leg hit something soft, and he looked beneath the table and saw a black gym bag. The bag was open and stuffed with casino chips from several different casinos. He pulled it out and let his fingers run through the chips, reds, greens, purples, and yellows. There was even a brown chip. You didn't see those very often. He blew his cheeks out. There was twenty grand here, easy. This was worse than bad. He couldn't explain this. And if there was any part of the story the investigators would want explained, it was why twenty grand in casino chips was in Chris's townhouse. Zipping the bag closed, he saw a sliver of paper tucked in a side pocket. He pulled it free. It was an embossed business card, and he stared at the raised lettering. Grift Sense, International Gaming Consultant, Tony Valentine, President.
It was a small world. He knew Valentine, a retired Atlantic City detective who helped casinos catch cheaters. Had he blown into town, met Chris, and made her an offer she couldn't refuse? Sticking the card into the bag, Longo searched the bag's other pockets and found a pack of Marlboros. He went into the living room and stared at the filter of the cigarette lying in the ashtray. It was a match. Back in the kitchen, he grabbed the gym bag off the floor and exited through the back door. He went straight to the community trash area and buried the bag beneath a ton of garbage. Coming back inside, he dialed the police station on the kitchen phone. An automated message greeted him. While he waited for an operator, he wondered how hard it would be to track Valentine down. Valentine was probably in town on a consulting job, staying at one of the nice joints on the Strip. A few phone calls at most, he decided. His thoughts shifted to his dead girlfriend. Her memory was going to stay with him for the rest of his life. He was going to make Valentine pay for this. Only he wouldn't be as kind as Valentine had been to her. There was no reason why he should be. Tony Valentine watched a police cruiser race down Maryland Parkway, the morning sunlight beating brightly off its roof. Distances were hard to determine in the desert, and he guessed the cruiser was five miles away. Back home in Florida, the landscape didn't play tricks with you like it did out here. But that was the appeal of Las Vegas. You didn't know what was real and what was an illusion. He turned from the window. He was standing in a penthouse office of Sin, Las Vegas' newest casino. Three thousand guest rooms and a gaming area as big as an airport terminal. It was Vegas's second new casino this year, the public's appetite for throwing away their money knowing no bounds.